Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The rabbi's tunnel in Israel runs along the base of the western wall. Halfway down the wall is a hole that is cemented up. It was after A.D., pardon me, 1967, some of the rabbis went under the Temple Mount, and as they went under, they claimed that the Ark of the Covenant is under the Temple Mount. But they didn't pull it out at that time because they were surrounded by Millions of Muslims, and of course, you come out with that thing, now you got a problem. So they didn't pull it out then. Where is the ark? There is a Jewish uh, historian, he records Jewish history, and his name is Flavius Josephus. And he says this, Jeremiah hid the ark in the caverns under the Temple Mount. Some people believe that the ark is hidden by Mount Nebo, Mount Pisgah, in a mountain in Jordan. Some people believe the ark is located in Ethiopia. Some people believe that the ark is in Rome where the arch of Titus is located. It was in AD 70 that uh, Titus Vespasian, when he destroyed Jerusalem and he brought the, brought back the spoils uh, to Rome that he then built this arch and you can go online and see this. I did a bunch of research on it and you can go online and see this arch. And in this arch, Titus Vespasian carved some images in the arch. And and the images he carved were the uh, images of the spoils that he had taken. In this arch, there is a very clear picture of the menorah, the candlestick that's located in the holy place. There's another picture there that is very, very clear, uh, uh, carving, if you will, of the table of showbread. And then there's another object that's carved and it's kind of broken off. Some people think that it's the Ark of the Covenant and it's in the basement of the Vatican in Rome. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? Listen, we don't know. No one knows. Should I tell you? God knows he knows everything. God knows the million dollar question. People are trying to find out where is the ark. Now listen, the ark, are you listening? Is a beautiful type and picture of Christ. I want to draw your attention back to verse 11, if you will. Look at verse 11. If you're looking at it, say amen. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and you shall make on it. Did you note this? A molding of gold 
all around. In other words, like a crown molding, if you will, is made of gold. Remember, I just told you, Bible students, help me out. Gold speaks of what? Deity. So here we have this crown molding, if you will, around the top of the ark, which I believe as well speaks to Christ, even this molding, because it's at the top of the ark. And the Bible does make it clear that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. He's the king of kings. Jesus overcame an onslaught of opposition that was against him. He overcame the wealthy political Jewish leaders. Jesus overcame Rome itself. He overcame death itself when he rose from the grave and he was given a crown of glory and honor because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now inside the ark, go with me inside the ark. We find out from scripture. If you're taking notes, you write it down inside the ark was placed two tablets of stone which is very interesting because the tablets of stone were the law. And you know, you've been around here. The law is the very thing that condemns us. The law says, Rodney, you have sinned. I'm a sinner. Jesus is the only one who kept the law perfectly and completely. Amen. Saints. The Bible is clear that Jesus committed no sin. And that's why we need to be in Christ. Because he committed no sin. Remember from Sunday, Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So Jesus completely, perfectly fulfilled the law. Inside the ark, not only were there two tablets of stone, but also Aaron's rod that budded was inside the ark. And again, that speaks of Jesus. Aaron's rod that budded speaks to something that died supernaturally, but came back to life. And Jesus said, what? I am the resurrection and the life. Inside the ark as well, not only the two tablets of stone and Aaron's rod that budded, but also the gold pot of manna speaks of Jesus as the bread of life who came down from heaven to bring food, the word of life. Interesting, even the gold overlaid poles, as we just read those about those speaks of Christ itself, because as they move the ark, you understand these poles had to be put through these rings. They were also made of acacia wood. We just read it. And they were overlaid with gold and they had the rings on all four corners of the ark. So they took these acacia wood poles and they put it through. So that these poles, if this were the ark, this is kind of a, a cool illustration. And because uh, it's square like the ark and 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 uh, you put the poles here and you put a pole through there and these rings, these gold rings are right here. And the people, the priests actually would have to carry, get get on this end because they were not allowed to touch the ark. Did you know that? Shake your head if you knew it. Okay, good. Most of y'all didn't. And, 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 and they, they, they couldn't carry the ark. They couldn't touch the ark. They had to carry it with those poles. Even those poles or staves, they're also called, S-T-A-V-E-S, the staves, even those staves speak of Christ because as they moved, they were to carry the ark with those poles and those poles were never to leave the side of the ark. And Jesus said what? I will never leave the side of my people. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. 
Now, here's some facts about the ark. If you're still listening, some facts about the ark and you can see the ministry of Jesus. The ark went before the people. Jesus went before the people. John chapter 10, verse four tells us that Jesus goes before his sheep and they follow his voice. The ark was in the middle of God's people. Jesus is in the middle. See, as they traveled, are y'all listening? As they travel through the wilderness and they carry the ark with them, you'd have the singers out front worshiping the Lord. And then you have the ark as they are carrying it on the staves, coming up from behind, behind the singers. And then behind them are the people singing along as well as the worship and the singers and the priests and the ark and the people. That's how they traveled. They had a they had a uniform way of traveling as they moved about through the wilderness, as they moved on into the promised land. And that's largely why, by the way, we have worship up front. Somebody say amen. It's not song service. It's not what we're trying to entertain the people until Rodney gets up. (laughs) It's filler. No, that's not what worship is about. That's why I tell you, get to church on time. Because there's an order, there's a process, and there's a reason. God set it up that way. And we just try to follow in his footsteps and what he's telling us to do. Amen, saints? Is that all right? And, and worship is, is, is so that the people's hearts can get ready because here comes the word coming up. You see? And, and, and then the people are just coming behind the word and they're worshiping as well. There's an order to this thing. So as the people would gather together and they would, and they would, they would, they would gather around the ark. The ark was in the midst of the people and Jesus is in the midst of his people. John chapter 14, verse 20 tells us, and you will know that I am in in my father and you in me and I in you. Jesus is in the midst of his people talking about the facts of the ark and the people were to follow the ark. We are to follow Jesus. Don't you remember when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, what? Follow me. We're to follow So we're looking at the types and we're looking at the pictures of how the ark is a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 17. Wow, where does the time go? Look at verse 17. If you're looking at it, say amen. And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubic and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Cherubim, two, cherubim of gold, of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. And you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above in verse 20, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that will be the law that I will give you. 
And there in verse 22, would you underline this? And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above where saints, the mercy seat from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything, which I will give you in the commandment to the children of Israel. Stop right there. Saints, give me your attention. Point number four. And finally, the place where Jesus Christ meets men is at the mercy seat. Now, listen on the acacia wooden box is a lid that is one inch thick of solid gold. It was probably a weight of somewhere around 700 to 750 pounds. Now, I wonder if there's somebody quick enough here tonight that can do the math and tell me how much in today's currency that lid would weigh. 750 pounds at the whatever goal is. I don't buy gold, but whatever the goal is today at 750 pounds, that is a lot of money. And not only that, but it is very, very heavy on top of the box were cherubim. Now it doesn't tell us here, but in Ezekiel and revelation, perhaps we'll look at it in the coming weeks in Ezekiel and revelation. Each cherubim has four faces. Did you know the face of a man, the face of an ox, the face of a lion and the face of an eagle. And so they're reaching their wings over the center of the mercy seat. Now, if you fast forward, are you listening to the New Testament? We find out that this word mercy is the Greek word halasterion, halasterion. We pointed it out in Romans chapter three, verse 25. If you were with us, we talked about this where Paul says literally that God presented Christ as a propitiation or a mercy seat. So we know that the mercy seat in the tabernacle is a picture of Christ very clearly. The word for mercy seat is the same word for atonement. Atonement means to cover, to cancel, to appease, or to cleanse. The word seat speaks of a resting place. So the mercy seat, saints, listen, was the place of mercy or the place of propitiation. We talked about that in Romans chapter 3. Now, once a year on the day of Yom Kippur or the day of atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Remember, that's beyond the veil in the Holy of Holies. And he would be carrying an offering of blood. He would first have to take an offering of blood for himself. Then he would take an offering of blood for the people. So listen, on the day of atonement, are you listening? On the day of atonement or the day of Yom Kippur, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies twice in that day. He'd take an offering for himself and he would take an offering for the people. Now, before he actually went into the presence of God, the high priest had to go through or to to, to go through a, a series of rituals and washings. He had to change his clothes, put on white linen, which was actually white linen underwear. And uh, I can't imagine they were that comfortable. And uh, white linen, a tunic, a belt, a turban, and a robe. On the robe, listen, on the bottom of the robe were bells. 
around the bottom. And he would go in and offer sacrifice for his own sins. Then he would re-enter to offer a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. The people would be standing outside and they're listening for the bells. Now, before he went in, one of the priests on duty, we're talking about the high priest who goes in. Y'all with me? Okay. Before he went in, the high priest, he, one of the other assistant priests would take a rope and tie it around his leg. He would go into the presence of the Lord. And then the outer court, into the holy place, and then on into the most holy place. The people are gathered around. Everything is silent, just like now. And they're waiting and they're listening for the bells to begin to ring. And it was very important that those bells continue to ring because if the bells continue to ring, that told the people that the priest was still alive. But if the bell ceased to ring, it also then told the people that the priest was dead because you can't come into the presence of the Lord. He could not come into the presence of the Lord unless he went through all of those rituals and unless he offered a sacrifice for himself. If you're with me, say amen. So they're listening and he's walking around offering the blood sacrifice and the robe is just kind of swinging around. They're listening for the bells to keep ringing. If the bell stopped ringing and the priest dies in there, well, now what do they do? They can't go in and get them because they ain't clean from their sin yet. What do they do? Well, that's where the rope comes in. <laughs> they, they, jerk, they jerk on a rope a few moments, and if they get some resistance, they don't feel no pullback. <laughs> then they say, all right, fellas, we need a couple men over here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he died. In the presence of the Lord. Well, you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16. It's all there. So on the day of Yom Kippur, listen, the high priest, he then went beyond the veil of the temple. The veil was 18 inches thick. As I told you, it had woven on it angels and gold. And he went behind that veil and he sprinkled blood on the mercy seat. Now get this. The story gets even better. Wow. Am I out of time? The story gets better and I'm out of time. How crazy is that? Well, let me tell you really quickly, because you do need to know this. The high priest, listen, would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He would take two scapegoats. Listen, he would sacrifice one and take the blood into the holy of holies and then sprinkle that blood on the floor seven times. And then he would sprinkle the blood on the horns of the mercy seat seven times. And then he would come from the holy of holies through the holy place into the courtyard where the people were waiting. And then he would take a scarlet rope and tie it around the neck of the second scapegoat. And then he would lay hands on that scapegoat and pronounce the sins of the people. And then he would lead that scapegoat out into the wilderness, take the rope off the scapegoat and let it go. And as the scapegoat would be running off into the wilderness, the people were going boo, boo, boo for the poor scapegoat. They messed up that scapegoat psyche. Boo, boo on the scapegoat. And then the priest would come back to the people. He would then stand before the people and he would wave his hands like this and say, bear and be gone, bear and be gone. Speaking of the sins of the people and the people would say, yay, yay. And they would clap their hands. Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus is our scapegoat. 
He bore our sins upon his own head when he died on the cross. You understand? So this veil is torn. The veil is torn. On the day that Jesus died, I got to move forward. The veil is torn. The day when Jesus dies on the cross. And the veil, the Bible says, is torn from top to bottom. It's almost as if a big sword came out of the sky and just and tore the veil. And, and history tells us, isn't it interesting? This, listen to this. History tells us that after that veil was torn from top to bottom, history tells us that, that the Jewish people went back into the temple area and began to sew the veil back up. Now, don't you get this? The veil being torn, what does that speak of? The veil being, first of all, the veil being there between the, the, the people and God, it speaks of distance. It speaks of stay away. It speaks of back away from the veil. It speaks of don't come near. God says when Jesus died on the cross that the veil is torn and no longer does it say back away from the veil. Sir, back away from the veil. <laughs> It doesn't say that now with the veil torn. Are you with me, my people with the veil torn? Now it says, come here. Now it says, come near. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. Now you can just come. You don't have to come through the high priest. You don't have to come through the priest. You don't have to come through confession. You don't have to come through Pastor Rodney. You don't have to come. Y'all need to be clapping. You don't have to come now. Listen, now you just come. Now you can pray in the car on the 440. You can pray in the car on the 440. You need to pray in the car on the 440. Now you can just pray and you can just come to God because the veil has been torn. Listen, I tell you this. I'm going to wrap it up right here. Listen. Don't ever, ever, ever get out your needle and your thread and start sewing up the veil. Because Christian folks do that well. We, we do that well. Amen. We do that well. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, now, if you're going to come to God, this is what you got to do. Now, you better get, you know, you got to wear the right clothes. You know, if you're going to come to church now, you're going to have to act like the right person. I mean, there's a way to act in church, you know. If you're going to come to church, you're going to have to, um, you know, tithe. And if you're going to come to church and you're going to have to, you know, worship a certain way and be a certain person and act a certain way. It is a church etiquette. And, you know, you can't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. And, you know, <laughs> this is our little thing of how you get to God. Don't sew up the veil. Jesus said, just come, come to him. And where do you come to him? He says, I will meet you at the mercy seat. I had you underlined in your Bibles. I will meet you. Look at verse 22 and there, there, where, there, where saints at the mercy seat, I will meet with you. And it's there at the mercy seat that I will speak to you. Listen, saints, God loves mercy and we need to love mercy. Amen. We need to love mercy. The mercy seat. 
Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly and to what? Love mercy. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Mercy. Every born again believer needs to be people of mercy. Why? Because we've been shown so much mercy. I mean, think about it. Jesus died and went into the Holy of Holies with his blood sacrifice. And he came out and he said to us, be gone, be gone. Your sins are forgiven. Be gone. I've shown you mercy. Be gone. And we said, yay, yay, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. But somebody does something to you and you go, boo. Isn't it true? We're Christians are so merciless. We're hard on people. Don't be hard on people. If you want God to be hard on you, then be hard on people. If you want God to be merciful to you, then you need to be merciful to folks. You want grace? You show grace. You want love? You show love. You want friends? You be a friend. You want friends? You be a friend. You want mercy? You show mercy. You're never being more like God than when you show mercy. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.